And good morning to everybody at home watching. And uh, we have a, a special uh, treat this morning. I don't think uh, uh, I don't think this person needs any introduction because she's been part of this church a lot longer than I have. Uh, but uh, our, our speaker this morning is Ashley Hamlet, and she's going to bring the word. And I remember, ah, come on up. Well, let's welcome Ashley. Uh, when we were, when Christina and I were checking out this church body, uh, we saw Ashley up here, and she was uh, sharing a little bit during announcements and stuff. And I instantly knew. I said, I looked at my wife. I said, she has the ability to bring the word of God. She has the confidence. She has the spirit in her, and I, I just feel like we need to hear from her at some point. And so I asked her to come and speak and share the word, and she said she was terrified because this is her first time. But uh, I believe that she's got a great word, and um, let's, let's welcome Ashley once again and say thank you to her. And this is why dresses with pockets are so awesome right here. <laughs> I was watching this, um, oh dear, wow, all for the, uh, <laughs> um, I was watching this uh, online a few times when I'm home with my kids if they're sick, and I noticed that this new update is super awesome, but I kind of feel like I'm on Tron, so, yes. Well, as you know, my name is Ashley Hamlet. I'm the missions director here. I'm super excited to be with you guys, and hi, online peeps. Hello. Um, let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm just so excited to be in your presence this morning with everyone here, and just to share in your word, to share in your grace and your peace, Jesus. I pray that you would open our hearts to what you have to teach us this morning, Jesus. In your name, amen. amen. Well, I was supposed to be in Las Vegas today, enjoying the sunshine, eating all the decadent foods that I like to eat, let me tell you. Um, checking out, I'm kind of a science nerd, so I was really excited about going to this exhibit there, and a science exhibit. Who goes to Vegas for a science exhibit? Yeah. <laughs> and they also have a Marvel, a Marvel museum that I really wanted to see too. And then not only that, but to have some peace for my children. I love my children, but it would be nice to take a shower without kids bursting in and being, hey mom, what are you doing? So I was really looking forward to it. I had, um, it's one of my friend's birthday, and she's like, I found these tickets for super cheap. We can share the hotel fee, and so we had it all planned out, but I had this feeling that God was telling me, Ashley, I don't want you to go. So I prayed about it, and I was like, Lord, you know, this would be so great, I really want to go, but what do you think? What do you think? Should I go? Is this something that you want me to do? Because I'm feeling like maybe you're telling me not to. So I prayed about it, and then I talked to my husband, and he's like, well, you know, you can go, but we could spend the, mother, the money in other ways, use it more wisely. But I know it would be fun for you, so yeah, you can go. So I went ahead to work and was trying to get the days off, which usually goes pretty smoothly for personal days. I'm a teacher. But there were just all these hoops I kept having to work through to try and make it work out, and, and it just wasn't working. And so I prayed some more, and I just, between my husband's not really wanting me to go, it not working out at work, and God just really giving me this feeling that it wasn't supposed to happen. I called my friend up. I said, hey, I'm not going to go. 
And she was really disappointed, but I said, you know what, this is why. You know, I feel like God's telling me not to, I don't know why. And I think a day later, I was driving home from work, and Blake gets a hold of me. And in my car phone, and he's like, hey, I, you know, I was wondering if you would preach for me on this day. And I'm like, what? No, I can't. I'll wet my pants. I think that's what I said. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. I can't stand up there. I, 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 I have no experience whatsoever, you know. And he's like, you'll do great. You'll be fine. So here I am. Here I am today because I listen to God. And so as I was thinking about what to, to preach about today, I have a few people in my corner who've been helping me out along with this process. Blake's one of them. Um, and they're like, just speak about something maybe that God's showing you in your life right now. And I was like, well, this whole situation is God showing me something in my life right now. So I'm going to talk about how God speaks to you in listening to God this morning. So my purpose is for us to really build a relationship with Jesus by understanding how he speaks to us. We have been created to hear the voice of God. In John 10, 27, it says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I don't know if any of you guys were here. Oh, gosh, it was before COVID when we had the pastor from the Presbyterian Church, and he came and he told us all these amazing things about shepherds and how back in the day the shepherds knew every single one of their sheep, and every single one of their sheep had a specific sound, and that shepherd knew the sound, and the sheep knew their shepherd's voice. There, there could be hundreds of shepherds, and if their one shepherd spoke, then those sheep would know that that was their shepherd. And I think that's so true of us with God, that we know and we can hear his voice. What a blessing that we have a God that we can hear. We follow a God that speaks. Yes! <laughs> Hebrews 1, 1 through 2. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. God uses lots of ways to speak to us. And he wants to speak to us. Isn't that awesome? We have a God that wants to speak to us. So today, the passage we're going to be looking at is um, in 1 Kings 19, 1 through 18. I'm going to be taking a little snapshot of some stuff going on with Elijah. But I want to give you some background information on what's going on with Elijah before we get to this passage. So Blake's been talking about, uh, in his series, Exiles, and he talked a little bit about the 12 tribes of Israel and how they had split. So they have. Israel is split. It's in the north, and Judah is in the south. And we're going to be looking at Israel. So king after king of Israel is just, they're rotten. They're evil. They're not following God's ways at all. They're looking at false idols, indulging in life and sin. And then we get to Ahab. In 1 Kings 16.30, it says, He did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. And then again in verse 33, He did more to arouse the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than did all the kings of Israel before him. Now, I don't know about you, but have you ever noticed that when God says something more than once in the Bible, he's usually trying to make a point there. And twice in a short time, he said that Ahab was no bueno. He was pretty evil. So you know that this guy, he's not looking to Jesus at all. On top of that, Ahab was married to Jezebel, who was even more evil, and she served and worshipped Baal, a false god. And so because of that, Israel has started worshipping this false god. 
So God sends, cue our hero, Elijah, and Elijah prophesies that there's gonna be a drought. Now one thing that I thought about as I was reading through this is that Ahab, even though he was evil and totally not following God, God still sent a prophet to speak to him. Kind of maybe hoping, here's this one last chance. I'm gonna do this thing, but I'm still sending somebody to give you my word, but of course Ahab doesn't listen. So Elijah prophesies a drought. And the interesting thing about this, yay God, I just, God is so awesome. Baal was the God of rain and fertility. And so God really shows the falsity of Baal by taking the rain away. Isn't that awesome? God just knows how to, you know. Meanwhile, Jezebel is super angry because of this and she kills all of the prophets, except for Obadiah. More than three years later, God commands Elijah to give a challenge to get all of Baal's 450 prophets, they're supposed to make an altar and pray to Baal to start this fire. So these guys are out there, they're doing everything they can, they're dancing, they're face painting, they're cutting themselves, doing every weird thing that they can think of to get Baal to start this fire. And it doesn't happen. Up steps Elijah, he has some guys pour some water all over it. They do that three times. I mean, this thing is soaked in water. There's like a moat down around it with water. And then he prays to God, and God consumes the entire thing, water and everything. And after that, all of the Baal prophets were slaughtered. So that brings us to where we are in 1 Kings 19, 1 through 18. If you would turn um, in your Bibles there, or if you have the app, you can open that. When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah, may the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more, or their journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel for 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. 
And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied again, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Then the Lord told him, go back the same way you came and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Haziel to be king of Aram, then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be king of Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from the town of Abel-Meholah, to replace you as my prophet. Anyone who escapes from Haziel will be killed by Jehu, and those who escape Jehu will be killed by Elisha. Yet I will preserve 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed down to Baal or kissed him. Sometimes God speaks to you by asking you a question. In verse 9, it says, what are you doing here, Elijah? Jerry Cook once said, isn't it amazing how we can struggle for an answer so hard and never examine the actual question? Yes. God already knows the answer to the question. Sometimes he asks you so that you will be honest and examine what he's really saying. He already knew why Elijah was there. And the same in Genesis 3.9 when Adam and Eve had just sinned. Where are you? Well, they were hiding. He knew why they were hiding. But think about, why is God really asking me this? He already knows the answer. God also speaks to you by giving you a call to obedience. In verse 11, it says, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Elijah could have easily hunkered down in the cave, and wallowed in his pit of discouragement, but instead he listened and he obeyed. In turn, God gave him a unique mission and fellowship. Elisha. God gives us all a unique mission, but are you listening for it? And are you ready to be obedient? God speaks to us in a way that we need in that specific moment. In verses 11 through 13, and a lot of people interpret this one way, but as I was reading it, God kind of touched something on my heart a little differently. Um, Elijah had seen God do these big, miraculous, grandiose things, and perhaps he was expecting that. Perhaps he was expecting God to be in the wind or in the fire, but God wasn't. He was in that gentle whisper. And my thoughts went to, okay, here's Elijah. And he's just witnessed God use him as his instrument to do this awesome thing, this miraculous thing. And yet here he is running away after Jezebel's like, oh, you're toast. <laughs> really, you know, it should have been like, well, God's got me. But he didn't. He was scared and he ran after just witnessing all that miraculous stuff. And God could have been angry. I'm thinking of my human self and I would have been like, seriously? I would have been a little frustrated if I were God, and that's why I'm not. <laughs> and God could have been frustrated with him, but instead, God knew that Elijah needed that gentle whisper of grace. 
God is so loving and he knows exactly how to respond to us. And in that moment, yes, Elijah may have been expecting something, but God knew that he needed that gentle whisper of grace to remind him of who he was. Just like any parent responds to their children, God responds to us in kind. So why do I need to hear God speaking? Why is this important to me? Well, so many people feel lost and we don't have a purpose. God gives us that purpose. Fear, stress, and anxiety, they block God out. We need to hear God so we learn how to let him be the power in our lives rather than the latter. Relationship builds a strong foundation and a Christ-like identity. Jesus is our identity, not anxiety, not stress, not fear. Jesus is that identity. We're not called to religion. We're called to a relationship with God. But you know what? God isn't the only one speaking to us. We listen to other voices, news networks, Facebook, Instagram, people. God might be competing for your attention. Does God have to compete with everyone else or does he have direct access to you? Back in uh, World War II, there was this group called the Ghost Army. Has anybody ever heard of that? No. So the Ghost Army was basically this group of men and they pulled them from art school and theater and all that and they brought these men together and they're like, we're gonna use some skills, some of your theatrics and sonic deception and radio deception and we're gonna fool the enemy. So the actors, they had put on uniforms and they put the right, um, oh, patches on their uniform and sent them to places where they knew enemy spies were. And they had these guys set up fake meetings knowing that the enemy would hear that and go back and report. And so they were tricking them that way. And then they had these artists make blow up tanks and stuff and they would position those in areas so that the enemy would see that and think that it was our troops. And it was called the rubber army because it was just these blow up tanks. And then they would record, they had the guys that were good with technology, and I know what you're thinking, technology in World War II, but it was, it was technology. And they were using sonic deception, radio deception, or spoof radio to make these sounds of guns going off and tanks and troops walking, and they would project the sound so that only the enemy troops would hear it and think that we were mobilizing. It is estimated, let me find, they saved thousands of our troops by doing this. Thousands, and they never even had to fight a battle. Yay us, right? Bad for the enemy. But the enemy was listening to something that wasn't real. They were fooled and deceived by what they were listening to and seeing. The devil likes to throw deception our way. He's so crafty that sometimes we fall for his rubber army, don't we? We think it's God when it's really not. If what you're hearing doesn't line up with the character of God or the promise of God and his word in the Bible, then you know it's not God speaking to you. If it makes you feel guilty or shameful or it's telling you lies, then that's not the voice of God. So how do I know if God's speaking to me? He speaks in a way that's tailored to you. 
I'm a teacher and my students all have different learning styles and I have to figure out a way that meets each student's needs. It's personal to them. How I speak to one student may be different than how I speak to another. I think we can see that with Elijah. In 2 Timothy, oh, God speaks to you through his word. And in 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Now, I, I like to watch Criminal Minds and other crime shows, police shows on TV. And one of the things I noticed is that, have you ever noticed how the killer is always like, oh, God told me to kill all these people? <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, I know this is an extreme example, but if you look in Exodus 20:13, it says, thou shalt not kill. So again, like I said, that's an extreme example, but you really have to look and back up and see, is this what, is this what God says in scripture? Is what I'm feeling or what I'm thinking aligning with what God says? The other thing is, in those moments when you need Jesus, when you're wondering, Lord, do I leave my husband? Lord, I, I need help with my kid and I don't know how to parent in this moment. His word is there to give you guidance and peace and rest. God speaks to you through other people. In Exodus 18, 21 through 23, Moses has been dealing with every single little dispute amongst his people, and it's overwhelming. He's just so overwhelmed, and he's having a random conversation with his father-in-law, and he gives him this suggestion. Get there. But select from all the people, some capable, honest men who fear God and hate bribes. Appoint them as leaders over groups of 1,000, 150, and 10. They should always be available to solve the people's common disputes, but have them bring the major cases to you. Let the leaders decide the smaller matters themselves. They will help you carry the load, making the task easier for you. If you follow this advice, and if God commands you to do so, then you will be able to endure the pressures, and all these people will go home in peace. Moses listened to his father-in-law's advice and followed his suggestions. He chose capable men from all over Israel and appointed them as leaders over the people. So just right there, God used Moses' father-in-law to speak to him, to help him out. And Moses was eased of a burden so that he could better serve Jesus in the capacity God had him planned to be. God speaks to you with consistency and persistence. In Job 33:14, it says, For God speaks again and again, though people do not recognize it. All the ways I've talked about above are all ways that reflect God's consistency and persistence to speak to you. He wants to speak to you. He's going to try multiple avenues to get to you. Some of us, it takes a little longer. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it takes a little while to get to us. But one of the things that we can do is practice. Just like anything, like sports or music, you need to practice. And so what I want us to do is to practice listening to God, and we're gonna have a time of listening. And I want you guys to practice hearing the voice of God. And remember that if what you're hearing doesn't line up with the Bible, 
or the character that you know God is, then it's not God. It's important that we engage daily with the presence of God into practice. So I'm going to have Mary come up. And what I want you guys to do is close your eyes or bow your head or get in whatever posture is comfortable for you to practice listening to God. And I'm going to have a couple of questions up here for you. Questions to ask God during this time. The first one is, God, how do you want to engage with me in a remarkable and exciting way? And the second one is, what is one way that I can practice listening for your voice this week?